My name is Susie Can, and I hope you enjoy exploring with me the thoughts that come with this thread. If you have any interest in supporting what I'm doing or getting in touch, please do so through the website kylak.ie, where you will also find other resources and connections that I create around each podcast so that if some of the tweaks of interest come to you through them, you have a place to go to go a little further and deeper or to find other information or to find a way to support by maybe wanting to collaborate or offer something or even a donation. Thanks for listening. The practical things that I do in the autumn have a lot to do with storing and preserve. I've become really interested ever since I was a grower in what seeds can be preserved. It's such a joyful thing to see the full cycle of a plant. And in the last year, whenever seeds in Ireland were difficult to come by, based on local produced seeds anyway, I got even more interested in doing more and more seed saving. So I want to talk a little bit about how to go for the easy seed saving, good starter seeds that'll give you good results, even if you don't understand everything about how some plants cross and other ones don't and that sort of thing. But to start with, it is important if you're going to seed save from vegetables to get the same true vegetable again, you need to use open pollinated varieties of plants rather than what are called F1s or hybrids. Because if you save the seed of a hybrid, you'll get one of the parents or some other mixed traits. Whereas open pollinated, it's one that will come true for you every time you grow it. I'll go through just a few different ones. Peas and beans, probably the easiest seeds to save. They need to ripen on the plant. That's a critical piece about seeds, is they need to have completed their own cycle. So you can't pick a fresh pea pod and then let the peas dry out and then hope that they will grow. They need to have dried on the plant. And that's actually one of the biggest issues in Ireland if you don't get an autumn like we're currently getting, where it's sunny September days with lots of drying possibilities. So one of the things that I do if I'm running low on a particular pea that I like is that I'll plant a pot full of them and make a support and keep them indoors. I have a big greenhouse, but you could do that on a window and you get the lovely blossom. And then as you get to this time of year, they've turned into the pea pods. They've dried more and more on the plant and the plant itself is starting to dry and you can even water it a little bit less and let it finish off its cycle. And then when the plant is completely dry, you just pull off the pods and open them up and save the seeds in a good dry place. I use jam jars, envelopes, or a metal tin to make sure that no moisture gets to the seed so it doesn't start its germination cycle again. So peas and beans, good ones to try. Others that are pretty handy are the brassica family. They may cross a little bit, but you tend to get fairly true to what you're after. And 
One of the things about doing them again, you need to let them dry out on the plant. If they get too rotty, if they get kind of moldy before they've dried, then often the seed isn't getting all the way to being a good hard and dry seed. But again, you could take just one plant of something that you want a lot of seeds and brassica family will give you absolutely heaps of these. So if, for example, you wanted to keep a salad mix to sow in your window boxes, you could have the last sowing of a salad in a window box, leave it on the window outside, and then as the weather changes, let it go completely to seed over a number of weeks through August into September, then lift it to an inside windowsill and again let it kind of complete its cycle from flower to pod to seed, dry it off, and you'll get incredible amount of mixed salad seeds. So that's another one. Then I want to talk about pumpkin and or squash. Now they're a wee bit harder, not because the seed is hard to save and take out of the pumpkin and dry, that works really, really well once you've got again a ripe pumpkin. But they do cross quite easily because of the flowers and bees and pollinators going from plant to plant. So it's a little more complicated. You will again, you'll get loads of seeds if you do this, but you have to put a little bit more effort into how you go about it. So what you need to do is watch on the plant in early August for a fruit forming behind a flower, but the flower not yet being fully open. You kind of watch till you say, okay, there's one that's going to open very soon. And you take a big plastic bag and put it around the fruit and the flower, giving it lots of room so it'll still open, it won't go all rotty, and just tie it closed. And then once the flower opens, so you're just waiting for that moment when the flower is, is just about to open before you put it in the bag. And then you take a male flower from the same plant, that's one that doesn't have a fruit behind it, it's just a stem. And again, you kind of get it just before it's opened or it's, and you take it and you peel back the petals and you'll see the male part of the flower that has the pollen on it inside of the flower stem. Then you can take your plastic bag off, open the flower and you hand pollinate the flower. You just rub all the pollen into the female part of the flower. Then you need to wait until the fruit sets. So you put the bag back on just for a little while and the flower should fall off and the fruit shouldn't be rotting. If you see rotting fruits on courgette and pumpkin family, it's because they didn't get pollinated. And so they go all soft at the part where the flower was and they don't set as such. So you get a set fruit and then that's fine. You can take the plastic bag off. So all of this takes only a few days if you time it right. And you take the plastic bag off. But then the really critical thing is you tie a ribbon or something bright and obvious around the stem of the pumpkin, because that way you'll know which was the one that I left to be a true seed pumpkin. And that's your seed saving pumpkin. So you let it ripen all the way till it's fully ripe. You can open it up and eat the flesh and save the seeds. Just wash them out, let them dry maybe on a piece of paper and then again, store them somewhere dry so that you can use the again in the new year. And then the last one I'll mention, and there's so much more that you can get into for seed saving, but just to whet your appetite, if you haven't done much seed saving before, these are good ones to get going with. The last one is tomatoes. Tomatoes are actually really easy to save seed from. They will generally produce the, set, the tomato that you're after again, open pollinated non-F1 varieties. I get a lot of my seeds from Irish Seed Savers or brown envelope seeds in Ireland because they have a lot of those kinds of varieties. But most of the heritage seed companies around the world have those. 
with a tomato, you get a ripe tomato, well ripe on the plant, and you take it off the plant and put it into a little dish or the bottom of a jam jar and you can squish it. You can add a little drop or two of water so as it won't dry out. And you actually let it with air at it. You let it go all rotten because there's a coating on the seeds of tomatoes that need that process to break down the coating to tell the tomato seed you're now ready to germinate. And if you imagine how they grow in South America, where they're from, they literally would just drop to the ground, rot, gets that coating removed, and they grow again immediately. Whereas what we're trying to do is arrest that cycle, save it until we want to get tomatoes going in the early spring in heat. And that's mimicking their conditions from South America. So you let it go rotty and you see a bit of mold on it. And then you take the whole lot and just put it in a sieve and rinse away the rotty flesh and the skin and then you'll be able to tip out the sieve onto a dry page and separate out the seeds. And then you can leave them to dry again on the page and just pick them off when they're dry and put them in an envelope and label them. And that's just a bit about saving seeds. Now related to seed saving is the idea of storing and preserving for winter storage for your fruits and vegetables. So I just want to touch on a couple of storage things that I do. One of the things that we've been doing a lot of at the moment is jam making. And jam making and jelly making are probably the easiest and certainly very delicious ways to store your fruit. Maybe not the healthiest if you use sugar, but there are some good alternatives. If you've got a fruit with a lot of pectin in it, meaning it's got a lot of seeds that will get it to set well, you can minimize the sugar or you can even replace with honey. There is a thickening thing that you can use if it's not setting. You can use something called agar agar. It's an extract of a seaweed, I believe. And you can even use carrageen to make a jelly. You can do, there's loads of books and loads of things, I'm sure, recipes online to look up jam making. But I just want to touch on a couple of simple particular recipes and why I like the mixes of these. So one of the things that I do through the garden as the first fruits are coming is just make a multi-berry jam. So rather than wait till I have an abundance of one particular fruit, I just pick a load of different berries all together. It's a really delicious jam to have. So whether that in my case might have been choke berries and some blueberries beginning to come and maybe wild bilberries and then maybe the very first blackberries might be coming at the same time, usually they're a little bit later, or raspberries, late autumn raspberries. And just they're just a great mix. And I just put them all in the one pot, give them a little wash, put them all in the one pot and get them cooking together, maybe a tiny bit of water in the bottom just to get the juice flowing. And then once you have your fruit cooked, you measure that about a pint of fruit to about a pint of sugar. And then you mix the sugar in, bring it up to boil. And then if you take a saucer, this is how I was taught, a cold saucer, and lift out just a small amount on a wooden spoon and put it on the saucer, which is cold, and let it cool. And then push your finger along the surface of the jam. And if it wrinkles, it's reached setting point. That's the way my grandmother taught me. And then for a jelly, which I particularly love to make a jelly out of the autumn apples and the blackberries. My grandmother called that bramble jelly. And so it would have been all of the parts of the apple, only rotten bits cut off, just chopped up. So having the pips 
in the mix, lots of blackberries, and again, just a little bit of water to get all the juice to start coming. And then I have a jelly bag, which is like a cone-shaped piece of cloth. Mine has a hoop around the top, but you can just tie it in a knot. And I've seen ones that sit on a frame. And you pour the fruit that's cooked into the jelly bag and hang it up so that its own weight kind of presses against the material and it starts to drip out. And it can take a good number of hours for you to get all of the juice to drip through. And then again, you'd look at the quantity of juice and roughly equal sugar to that or potentially like I say, with something that's got a lot of pectin in it like that, you could just sweeten it with some honey. Maybe if you want it to be really well set, you could use agar, agar in the mix. And then do the same thing. You bring it back up to the boil together, lift it out onto the saucer, let it cool, push the jelly with your finger and you'll see it wrinkle. And then you need to jar them. And very easy again to do that. Wash and clean jam jars really well. You want hot water sterilizing them. If you've got a dishwasher and you want to run it through that cycle, that's something a lot of people do. And then you can have them hot. So either you keep them the jam jars hot by pouring some hot water in them just before you're ready to fill them, or you can put them on a tray in the oven so that you lift them out and use an oven glove and you have a hot jam jar. And that just means that when you're putting your really hot jam into the jam jar, the glass won't risk cracking or shattering. I have a nice wide jam funnel. It's a metal funnel with a a wide hole. It just helps fill up the jam jars really neatly. So I ladle that out into the jam jar, get the lid on and up to quite full. And then I immediately turn them upside down, which is a good way to do for any hot fills. If you're making a sauce like an applesauce or a tomato-based sauce for the winter, turn them upside down. And that just sterilizes the top of the jam jar just in case there's anything there. It gives it the heat. And then after maybe 10 minutes, you turn it back the right side up and the little air seal in the jam jar will kind of suck back down as you turn it back up. And then that's a good sealed jam jar. The other thing that I do, and I think I've mentioned this before, is some dehydrating. But that is something that you can do as well with all the berries and the tomatoes that are coming. You just lay them out in trays in a dehydrator if you have one, or put them on the very lowest oven setting and then you can dry out overnight in a very, very low oven. And they're great. One other thing that is on the berries, it depending on where you are and how many berries are around, I happen to have planted so many berries that there is an abundance of them for me and for birds. And there's particularly a lot of rowan berries. And you'll see at this time of year that the birds will go after certain fruits at now and then they actually seem to leave some for later in the winter, particularly rowan berries. So one thing, if you are in an area where there isn't a lot of abundance of berries, do think about leaving various things for the birds. And the other one like that is not tidying up the garden too quickly in winter because an untidy garden provides tons of seed heads for all the little birds at this time of year. I've been watching them out the window of my cottage because there are some there are some hogweed seeds and you see little finches and climbing all over them getting the seeds heads for fattening themselves up for winter. Make sure and think about other than you that love all these harvest time fruits and nuts and berries and see that you can have enough abundance and share. The last thing that I want to add on this 
practical thread. It's just some of the fun crafts that you can do at this time of year that are associated with harvest perhaps, but maybe as well more about the autumn change in the season. So the falling leaves that come at this time of year, the colours that come out on different leaves. That's something that since my children were small, I've always made some sort of something with with the autumn leaves. And I'm just going to you tell you one very, very simple one that we did over the years that's lovely. And it is something you can make shapes and so on that you can use in your window with. So as the leaves turn amazing colours, you go out and you collect lots of different coloured leaves and you can then preserve those in one of two ways. One of them is as leaves layered inside of paper that you make yourself and the other is leaves layered between greaseproof paper, the original wax paper. A lot of greaseproof paper these days isn't got a lot of wax so you can actually add some wax to this process and then they will work well. That one's the simplest one. You basically lay your leaves between two layers of wax paper and then put some newspaper over the top of that and then use an old tea towel on top of that again and underneath and above and you iron with a hot iron over the two layers and the wax paper and when you lift it all off you've got the leaves pressed within wax in between the layers of the two pages and you leave it dry and then you can cut out like circles with the number of leaves and different things like that and you can just put a little bit of string and hang them on your window. But the other one is also fun which is to make your own paper. And there's some really simple processes involved in making your own paper. A few modern materials or modern machinery help. So one is some form of blender. It can be a stick blender inside of a pot or of liquid, or if you have a blender that sits on top of something, or maybe even a smoothie maker, those all work too. So in order to make paper, you gather fiber. And the fiber can be all sorts of fibers. If you use a dryer in your house, you can gather the fluff out of the dryer door and that will actually be fiber. A whole mix of things that come off your clothes and you can make paper out of that. But you can also make paper out of old paper. So you can take recycling paper that you're going to get rid of and you tear it up into lots of little bits and you soak it for a while in some water until it's totally soft. And then that's what you blend. Blend that and then you use essentially the same material as is in a sieve or a screen door. It's a material that has lots of porousness that water will flow out of very, very easily. And the easiest one is on a little frame. So you take your lots of water. So the more water, the better when you're blending up the fibers, then you put that all into an even bigger basin or a big bowl, pour all that out, and then you're going to use whatever sized frame you have to lift up underneath the floating fibers a layer of paper. So you lift it up and you let it dry a little bit, shake it a little bit, let it layer. So you get this thin layer of fiber. One way you can have it dry then is to flip it and press it on a window and it will actually 
dry out of the window and you peel it back off the window and it's dry. One of the ideas that I'm suggesting is that when you have the lovely leaves is that you can do more than one layer. So you would lift off, let it dry only a little bit, do another layer and then put them back together again. So you put the layer back into your screen, lay out your leaves and then put the top layer back on and wet it again slightly so that the two layers combine around the leaves. And then you can do the same thing again if you like. You can dry it out. You can flip it out onto a table and let it dry. You can press it on a window. So those are craft experiments that I think are fun to do to appreciate the colours of autumn.